0: Okay, so today on American Conversations, we have an old friend of mine from Georgetown, Frank Gaffney, who is the uh, executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy, which he began in 1988 and is currently the vice, vice, pre, vice chair uh, of the Center for Present Danger China.
1: Nope. Committee and, for the Present Danger China.
0: Thank you, Committee for the Present Danger China. And when thinking about addressing China, I can't think of anybody better to bring on other than Frank Gaffney for the beginners of this, because we really need to address what's going on with the CCP. So first of all, Frank, thank you for joining us today.
1: It's a real pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, And where do we begin? I mean, Frank, take it away, because this is this is not new in terms of the U.S. versus China. And you've been at this for a long period of time.
1: Well, it's becoming clear to uh, lots of folks who I don't think were clued up about it until fairly recently. I'd say uh, for most Americans until the Chinese Communist Party, which is really the core of the problem we're facing from China, unleashed this virus. I I call it the CCP virus um, Mm -hmm. against us and has now killed over 750 or 60,000 of us. Um, That's gotten personal for an awful lot of people and concentrated our minds. But I think at the very least, this story goes back to the early 1990s when the man who was at the time the general secretary of the Communist Party of China, uh, Deng Xiaoping, uh, is said to have declared that the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union was over and that the soviets had lost and that a new cold war was beginning and that china would defeat the united states in its course and what they've been doing ever since uh, though it was deliberately concealed from us uh, for quite some time pursuant to what he called the hide and bide strategy right namely you know, uh, pretend that you're not hostile to the United States, see what you can do to get them to enrich you, to make you more powerful, to um, uh, develop your economy and otherwise uh, prepare for the moment when you will be at the throats of the Americans. That hide and bite strategy worked like a top. And over the course of several decades, uh, we've seen US uh, financiers, we've seen US corporations, we've seen successive US administrations, um, all really work hard to test the proposition that if we just helped make the Chinese Communist Party and its people rich, they'd be pretty much like us. With the advent of a fellow by the name of Xi Jinping, who is the current general secretary of the Communist Party,
2: right.
1: uh, the mask slipped. In fact, I think he literally ripped it off because you I think... think, do you think, think Trump felt...
2: had? Do you think Trump had a lot to do with that, forcing that mask to come off?
1: Well, or I think what happened off? was that the yeah. cumulative effects of the years in which we were making China more and more powerful... Mm-hmm. Put a guy like Xi, who's basically a thug, they mm-hmm. are, but he particularly is one, um, into a position where he felt he was strong enough to respond when Donald Trump threw down with him and put in place these tariffs and otherwise challenged the agenda of the Chinese Communist Party to say, Hey, um we're going to now make plain what is our strategic objective. Mm-hmm. That is to destroy the United States and to become the world's dominant power uh, and that everybody else would be essentially supporting and and um, behaving like vassal states in some grand uh, feudal system. And that would include the United States, which would have been taken down many pegs by the Chinese Communist Party and its power. So I think all of these things have been um, developing for, as I say, many years and it's only recently that I think we've begun to see at least at the level of the American people, not so much the elites at this point mm-hmm. yet, but the American people are now, I think, getting the message that the Chinese are not our friends. They're not even competitors. They're our mortal enemies. And again, mm-hmm. I'm speaking of the Chinese Communist Party more than the Chinese people, I think. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think it was too early? For, <laughs> do you think it was a mistake for Xi to do this? Was it too early in his plan, or should he have... Uh, I kind of feel like this is the gift we've been giving. It, been given, is that we see what's going on maybe earlier than they wanted us to. Um, and we have to make the most of that. What, what do you think it's a great
1: point, Todd. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think history will be the judge of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it depends in part on whether we respond to what we mm-hmm. now know. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, again, this concerted effort. It's hard to overstate the importance of this uh, on the part of our elites. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, again, in the business sector, I mean, in academia, I mean, in uh, the media, I mean, in Hollywood the culture. But most especially in the political class, I think people are determined not to understand the reality that we've just described and therefore put us at even greater peril. Because the only thing that that can do, let's face it, is is keep us unprepared to contend with the threat from the CCP mm-hmm. and embolden its leadership to think that they can have their way with us. Mm-hmm.
0: I always think it's interesting that when you have the, um, the tech industry, the Hollywood industry do business in China mm-hmm. and it's not really a free market to do business in China at all because you're doing it with the CCP, whether it's Google having to censor to do bis- to get a market in China, whether it's Hollywood having to edit some of its themes that wouldn't be insulting to the CCP. Uh, that people would think that they really need China to economically survive. But in the age of globalization, which is not new, I mean, in the 90s, NAFTA kind of opened up that door for a runaway train wreck.
1: Yeah. We in the over- World Trade Organization.
0: Exactly, in the World Trade Organization. But we also overlooked um, all the violations of human rights. I mean, all the work that I've done in human trafficking. This, I mean, the Uyghurs is nothing new. It no. is because they did it to their own people. I was told 22 years ago that you know, there were about 25 million people that have gone missing inside China, mm-hmm. even then. Uh, and the slave labor camps, This is the, the Uyghurs being targeted, mm-hmm. you know, has its, has its own uh, narrative. But inside China all along, they've used their own people as slave labor.
1: Yes. Now, look, by some estimates, uh, from Mao Zedong's time onwards, a hundred million people have been murdered right. by the Chinese Communist Party. Right. And it may be more than that. It certainly is more if you add in, you know, uh, the infanticide and, and the abortions. Uh, they claim themselves that 400 million children, mostly girls, have been murdered um, through their population control stuff. So it, it's, it, it's a mass murder of one's own population that has no precedent in history. And it's continuing uh, as you as you say the the genocide it's been confirmed not just by the trump administration but by the biden administration that the mm-hmm. chinese communist party is genocidally oppressing uh, the uyghur muslims and other uh, turkic minorities in western china and it continues a pace where we have um you, you know they Genocide games are about to begin in February, notwithstanding this kind of uh, massive abuse. By some estimates, three million Uyghurs in concentration camps or forced labor factories or uh, being gang raped on a regular basis or otherwise enslaved. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And that's just a microcosm, really, of what's being done to Christians and to Falun Gong and to Tibetans and Southern Mongolians. And... You know, Hong uh, Congress, it's it's unimaginable, really, when you think about um, the fact that this is a transnational criminal organization sure. that is wreaking havoc within its own country. And I'm given to say any country that treats its own people as badly as the Chinese communists do theirs is not going to treat ours very gently, yeah. that's for sure.
0: Well, they're not. And and also when we see the transition because of this this COVID cover up, uh, the origin of which we still do not know. And there were some world leaders that demanded early on in 2020, like Tony Morrison in Australia. He said, no, we need to get to the bottom of this. And then, of course, immediately Xi came back and started slamming the Australians, which is interesting because Australia, uh, Australia's largest trading partner happens to be China. Um, they don't, you know, they, they had no problem hitting back at, at Australia whatsoever. And nope. they're, they, you know, then we have Biden who acquiesces with China, with the CCP. Now, I mean, how much, cause I, I think it's kind of interesting, the American, the average American doesn't understand even the, the, the brick road initiative. They don't understand, um, the trade and the tariffs, they understand the prices. I understand toys made in, in China, T-shirts made in China. But do you think that there's a window of opportunity here, Frank, for Americans to really wake up, get educated and understand the global geopolitical game coming out of this? Because I, I always look for what's the silver, silver lining you know, mm-hmm. with such a global disaster that we're living in right now?
1: Well, before I get to that, if I may, Christine, just talk a little bit more about what people need to understand. Mm -hmm. what's going on because I think once the dots are there to be connected you have a much better chance of not only having people see the full sort of mosaic if you will but also understand that things need to be done about it. Back in 1999 I mentioned Deng Xiaoping in the early 1990s talking about you know going to win against us. In 1999 two colonels in the People's Liberation Army published a book that seemed quite controversial at the time, but it's now clear it became a doctrine of the Chinese Communist Party, namely what these colonels called unrestricted warfare, Mm -hmm. by which they meant that the Chinese needed to wage war against the United States through dozens of lines of attack, all short of kinetic or old fashioned violent warfare, because the Chinese were not at the time strong enough to take us on in that regard. So instead, they began in earnest uh, using, as again, part of this hide-and-bide strategy, techniques of economic warfare, whereby they would, for example, hollow out our industrial base. In some cases, they literally took factories, lock, stock, and barrel from the Midwest of the United States, for example, and transferred them to China and began producing what had been produced here and selling it back to us and this became you know right. uh, the the driving force behind what we now call the rust belt where millions of people in this country lost their jobs and watched as the Chinese began simply selling us back stuff that we had developed stuff that we had previously yeah. been selling to them and then they took us down economic warfare was one of the lines of attack another is information warfare right. and operations and and you've mentioned hollywood and i was talking about you know the media the disinformation about china what it's doing uh, what its intents uh, were uh, intentions were what it uh, uh, could do in the way of uh, the capabilities that it could bring to bear all was you know massaged or manipulated to reinforce this idea there's nothing to worry about here folks uh, yes you may be losing your jobs to china and yes uh, your economy uh, may be destroyed in you know rust belt states but that, nothing to nothing to worry about nothing to see here for that matter and and it's going to be great if we all just become one big global operation you know supply chains moved to china we became dependent on the chinese among other things for medicine for heaven's sake to say nothing of rare earth minerals and flat screens and a lot of other technologies including you know stuff that we use in our military no less so information operations was used to sort of conceal their agenda you had old-fashioned corruption um, on an epic scale. And again, this is where those elites that I was talking about come in. Um, in many cases, they've been simply bought. Uh, you you have uh, uh, newspapers, you've worked in journalism for most of your life, Christine, you know that there are now inserts, right. of essentially Chinese propaganda in the New York Times and the Washington Post and other papers across this country. Um, you have them owning uh, studios, you have them you know, as you said, dictating what kinds of films get made and what kinds right. with-
0: or distributed, yeah,
1: or distributed, and and all of this uh, coming together uh, with with many other things. Simple outright theft of technology from our country, uh, mm-hmm. using our research facilities to get them up the learning curve so that they would be more competitive. So in fact, dominant. Uh, this is this is being done, if you can believe it, even with respect to these. People who are part of the Chinese Communist Party's biological weapons program, they have people in our country being trained by us, to getting access to our research institutions, our laboratories, our academic centers, all for the purpose of becoming more proficient at the kinds of weapons that the Chinese intend to to use against us Mm -hmm. and that brings me to sort of the military thing over this period as they were hiding and biting as they were using unrestricted warfare in non-kinetic ways they were also building up their military in fact they've got something called military civil fusion whereby essentially every company in china uh, whether it is clearly state-owned whether Mm -hmm. it is people's liberation army run or whether it is nominally a private business all work for the chinese communist party and all have as their obligation under the laws of china to help make china stronger uh, militarily as well as in terms of their economic competitiveness you put all this together and we've suddenly realized, and this goes back to your question earlier, Todd,
0: mm-hmm. You
1: know, the scales have really started dropping, um, not least uh, among others for our military, because suddenly they're realizing the Chinese now are in a position to actually wage war against mm-hmm. us, and perhaps decisively so. Their fleet is larger than ours. It seems as though their air force... And maybe even their nuclear forces are larger and certainly more modern than ours. And all of that is conducive to a place that I think we now find ourselves in, which is that the Chinese Communist Party under Xi Jinping feels it now can be brazen, bold, overt, undisguised in terms of its ambitions, its capabilities to realize those ambitions, And its willingness in the process, in fact, its perceived necessity of taking down the United States of America. And just last point, you mentioned something else, Christine. uh, The Belt and Road Initiative Mm -hmm. is a piece of this that I frankly didn't understand very well until we did a major study on it for our Committee on the Present Danger, China. Mm -hmm. The Belt and Road Initiative is essentially a Chinese-financed colonial Empire build out,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: particularly what I didn't appreciate until we did this study. And again, present danger, China is where you can find it. Of and the it's a good study. well, it's a good study, it's- but of the hundred and ninety or so countries that there are in the world today, one hundred and forty-five of them it's are unknown. now, in some way, shape, or form, hooked up with this uh, this empire of the Chinese communists. And it's intended to build out infrastructure in these countries um, with financing from the Chinese when, not if, when most of these developing nations can't meet the payments on the financing, the Chinese expropriate the road networks, the railways, the airports, the port facilities, and the access to strategic minerals and other things of value in the country, many of which have strategic locations which are valuable for the purposes of projecting power so all of this really comes together and why it's so important that we you know sketch out those dots and connect them is once you see the full magnitude of what these guys are up to uh, especially with what they've done to you personally maybe mm-hmm. you've been sick or maybe mm-hmm. you've lost a loved one or maybe your job has been you know right changed, uh, forever all of these things now impress upon us i think one underlying reality we may not want to be at war with china but the chinese communist party is at war with us and we have to protect our country and our lives if we're not to lose them both
0: one of the one of the things i think is interesting i think it's just the value of having you know lived overseas and, and traveled in the middle east and, and africa mm-hmm. is i actually saw this 30 years ago before G um, had announced this. I think he made the announcement about the, the Brick Road Initiative about 2014, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. But it went back before that because he would go into these countries and say to Kenya say to, and, send, and it, these third world countries, even in in the Sudan, he did it. I'll give you some money, you know, and then we'll build you some roads or we'll build you. A, but in exchange, we're going to have these these corrosive um. Uh, Contracts with these Mm -hmm. countries if they can't pay it back. Payday loans. Yeah. Yeah. And and if they can't pay it back, then, you know, we we want your port. Mm -hmm. And that happened in Mombasa. He tried to do that. The Chinese tried to do that in Mombasa. They've done it successfully in other countries. Mm -hmm. Um, They get, and then I see the pharmaceutical, the US pharmaceutical corporations signing these, offering the vaccine shots from America to all these countries and they're applying the same type of corrosive contractual demands we -hmm. want no liability for our for our our, for any vaccines that causes an injury we want you argentina to award us no liability and we want you to give us some collateral of your land embassies government buildings whatever it is to maintain that we will have no liability if something goes wrong, and it blows my mind because we have U.S. pharmaceutical companies acting just like the CCP when they go into these third world countries. That's what really struck me in the last seven, eight months as I've looked at some of these contracts. It's, it, and, and then I say to myself, well, what about these former members of the Senate and the House who represent China? represent U.S. corporations doing business in China, <coughs> pardon me, Chinese corporations, which is really run by the CCP in China, doing business overseas or in foreign countries. I mean, yep. and that's not a kitchen table conversation, but I, I'm taking a look at it in sort of the, the, the 30,000 foot sphere. And I'm thinking we have some people in this country actually doing business like the CCP.
1: Yeah. Well, let me give you an example of that that, that. that is actually a dining room table conversation, Christine, because I've laid out for you both um, and our audience um, this will rather stunning array of examples right. of how China is threatening us or has already done very considerable harm to us and people elsewhere around the world and to freedom more generally. The question occurs, Mm -hmm. how are they paying for all this? And the answer is Um, we're paying for it.
0: Yeah. Explain some of those those
1: people in the the global resetters, if you will, on Wall Street have been using our money, Mm -hmm. specifically pension funds, 401k plans, uh, passive investment vehicles like index funds, um, mm-hmm. Mutual funds and the like to migrate American investors' monies into communist China. Mostly, we're unaware of it. It's all in the fine print, and they're doing it because it may or may not make money for you if you're an investor, but it's going to make a lot of money for them in commissions and management fees and transaction fees and and the rest. And the trouble is that much of that money, for the reasons I've mentioned, this this military-civil fusion, for example, the fact that these uh, uh, these corporations work for the Chinese Communist Party. In some cases, they literally are owned and operated or run by at least the People's Liberation Army. They're building weapon systems with which to kill Americans, military personnel. Mm-hmm. In some cases, the people of the United States. In other cases all of these things are facts that we have essentially had our financial elites obscure for us and perpetuate to the point where if you can believe this they have transferred trillions of dollars to our mortal enemy making much of this stuff possible and here's a dirty little secret a man who was instrumental in essentially facilitating this kind of business is none other than Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. who when he was vice president of the United States, helped engineer a memorandum of understanding between China and the U.S. that enabled China not only to have access to our capital markets, but to have access on preferential terms. They, those companies that are now in our capital markets, by some estimates, there are as many as 5,000 of them, don't have to conform to the laws of the United States, accounting for example, law. with respect to accounting or mm-hmm. transparency or governance. Um, these are these are the sorts of things that they get essentially a pass on, which gives them a competitive advantage, of course, over our corporations, but it also... Definitely puts at risk American investors whose equities are not being protected as they're supposed to be under U.S. law, right. and right. it also, by the way, violates our human rights values. We talked about some of those things: uh, the Uyghurs and forced organ harvesting and slave labor, and you know the horrific oppression of Christians or some hundred million Christians that are being very heavily persecuted in China today. All of these things are being made possible in effect by unwitting American investors, and that has to stop.
2: I think that's a, a silver, or a, not a silver lining, but a, uh, uh, I, I think that that's a weakness of theirs is in that you're right, they, they may pledge the same collateral 12 times on different buildings, and it's a house of cards economically. I can remember Stevie Roach when I was back, he was the, you know, the chairman of Morgan Stanley, back in my day on the street and he was always, you know, I could never understand it, that China's fine. Don't worry about it. Get your clients in China, blah, 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 blah. So this has been going on at
1: least since the early nineties. Oh yeah. At least. And yeah. again, p- partly that was because Xi Jinping mm-hmm. and his predecessor have been exploiting our elites mm-hmm. to a fairly well. And our elites in turn have been enabling them to exploit the rest of us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so many. And just get this,
1: just one last point, Christine, on this before we leave. There has been a roughly half a trillion dollar loss. To American investors, as a result of some of the shenanigans that Xi she has been engaged in in just mm-hmm. the past six months, so you think that's on purpose? I mean, those with, guys on Wall you Street reader. are doing well, Todd, your former yeah. colleagues, but uh, but not the investors so much. Do you,
2: do you think that destruction of a, what was it, DD or whatever the taxi company was, a Uber yeah, the Uber uh, ride hailing, where they went in and basically destroyed the company, put a lot of American cash into it, and then destroyed the company? Almost
1: so, within forty-eight hours, I think. quick one. It was a yeah. quick uh, yeah. okay, under it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's just one example. And and of those 5,000 companies, and a colleague uh-huh. of mine, Roger Robinson, has just done heroic work in exposing mm-hmm. this. He worked for Reagan and cutting off the cash flow to the Soviet Union. I haven't Union heard back his name in the a day.
0: long time. Yeah. yeah, he's
1: still out there and he's still working the problem and trying to cut off the cash flow that we're making available to our mortal enemy, which, if anything, makes the Soviet Union in its heyday pale by comparison. When you put together all of those various threat vectors and the degree to which the Chinese are actually inside our wire, something the Soviets hardly ever got to do, it's a vastly bigger problem. But what Rogers pointed out is if you don't know that you have all these Chinese companies, including mm-hmm. A-shares, Todd, and, and yeah. over the, uh,
2: mm-hmm. over-the-counter
1: trades, you have no insight really into how bad your exposure to do is, their own research. let alone how much you're going to lose the economic
2: the economic card is one we have to play trump was right about that because you know we have some presence in the balkans and there's a lot of unhappiness there because of the treatment of the uyghurs in the in the muslim countries albania and others and they're not buying chinese stuff and they actually sent a chinese rep over there saying you know you gotta you gotta buy more so i i think that's a house of cards that we can pull because the american economy is deep and wide and strong still is and we just have to use that weapon uh, appropriately with the right leader. We got to get rid of the regime first, though.
1: It's a bit less so than it was before COVID, and True. that's one of the reasons why I come down on the side that this was a biological weapon, of course, used to take down the United States and specifically mm-hmm. Donald Trump, uh, mm-hmm. who they didn't want to have another four years. That's for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Well, they certainly weren't happy with the lower prices in prescription mm-hmm. drugs when this, you know, I mean that 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 didn't that kind of set off some. Tons of well, big,
1: big Pharma felt really hurt by that. And uh, as you said, oh, yeah. this is the point. You have global capitalists making common cause with global communists. Mm-hmm. And each of them thinks, I guess, that they're going to, in the end, prevail. My gonna- on the Chinese, myself, but either way, they've got a common purpose for the moment. What's that? Yeah, it's destroying us.
0: You Take know what? When- when you brought when you brought up the Balkans, Todd, somebody recently sent me a picture of the Chinese were developing bridges in Macedonia, and be, and they told me that because they weren't buying the Chinese products, that this and they sent me the picture of it. That it's not built. I mean, it's halfway there. So there, it's it's economic coercion is the name of the game. But they're doing it with with. Wall Street, the globalists, the reset, Klaus Schwab, you know, Davos gang. Um, cheering them on. I mean, they're cheering and Underwriting. On, and yeah. they're making the money on the side. But the average person, I don't think until COVID, really thought about focusing their eyes on the Chinese don't give a damn about mm-hmm. the rest of the world it's about conquering the rest of the world i mean all you have to do is take a look at the map that frank you guys have in, in your report you know by land air and sea i mean it's 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 laid out there and in mm-hmm. southeast i mean the, you know in australia they understand this in australia yeah they do understand frank, it. you know frank, what's, 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 what's the, the way forward, forward?
1: i'm sorry Go ahead. i was just gonna, gonna say on australia just very quickly you know uh they understand it uh, they responded rather robustly to the Chinese coercion and other threats, which were, you know, unabashed. I mean, this was, they were making no secret about it. They were right. they were out to crush Australia. Unfortunately, and and you guys probably know more about this than I do. I can't get over what has become of Australia. Yeah. Oh. In response I, I, to this COVID business, the the transformation of that place. It's unrecognizable today. It's, I, I would argue part of the free world what's the I,
2: way forward Frank I mean we information obviously which we're all trying to do but what are the top three things Americans I tend to think not buying anything made in China is number one yeah but uh, what do you
1: well I, I would say that awareness is number one and that's mm-hmm. why I went through all of that with you guys mm-hmm. I think it's really fundamental to deciding on what's the appropriate response mm-hmm. getting getting situational awareness is step one we're doing that right now um, I think disengagement from China is absolutely essential mm-hmm. um, that starts with stopping the use of our funds to build more threats against us and mm-hmm. and exercise them against us for that matter um, a second thing is uh, or a third thing I guess is um, I, I believe that we need to put our own country on a war footing mm-hmm. I mean the Chinese have actually not only done the things that I've talked about but in May of 2019, in the house propaganda organ of the chinese communist party people's daily they actually announced a people's war
2: Mm -hmm. against
1: the united states so again not because we want to be at war with them Mm -hmm. heavens knows we don't but because they are at war with us Mm -hmm. we must make ourselves more resilient in every respect whether it's supply chains whether it is uh, getting chinese gear out of our electric grid which is a formula for it's being taken down at any moment, Um, essentially making ourselves more uh, (laughs) self-sufficient energy independence uh, Mm -hmm. and yes, energy security are both absolutely vital. This idea that we're going to go back to relying on uh, unreliable supplies is is incredible.
0: incredible? It's insane. And not
1: least, I would just say uh, something I alluded to earlier. If we recognize and, address and deal with the chinese communist party as what it is a transnational criminal Mm -hmm. organization Mm -hmm. a lot of other things start sorting themselves out for example i think you'll find a lot of companies on wall street and elsewhere in the united states are not going to do the kind of business with these guys that they have if their risk departments come to them and say, oh, yeah. well, you know uh, we're we're uh, we're going to be susceptible to be reputational risk to criminal activities well yeah. reputational but actual criminal yeah. uh, misconduct perhaps so these are the sorts of things that we can do mm-hmm. starting from an awareness that uh, we've really got no choice the the only other alternative is really submitting Mm -hmm. to what they have in mind for us and uh, look at what they're doing to their own people it's not terribly appetizing i don't think
0: so two things we haven't touched upon before we close out here uh the evolution of the passport which is analogous to what the chinese do with their own scoring yeah we haven't mentioned the word taiwan which is in the news Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about those two frank
1: well (laughs) we, we were talking about the the uh the COVID Chinese Communist Party virus, um, one of the COVID. one of the upshots of all of this uh, was after they deliberately sent infected people to the United States and elsewhere around the world, which is a clue about that biological warfare character of this Mm -hmm. thing. At the very least, it was a proof of concept of what they have in mind for us Mm -hmm. with this large and growing biological warfare capability of theirs, which, by the way, is illegal under their treaty obligations. But what they put in motion concurrently was what they call the Chinese model, Mm -hmm. which is to say how a country should deal with COVID And what they prescribed was something that had never been done by any country in the world heretofore. They locked down their country. They Mm -hmm. actually welded some people into their homes so that they couldn't uh, potentially, you know, uh, transmit the disease elsewhere. They insisted on masks. They insisted on vaccines as a way of treating these diseases. And otherwise, they insisted on absolute control Mm -hmm. of their population, and they very strongly insisted, through their puppet, the World Health Organization, through their relationships with groups like the Centers for Disease Control in this country, the NIH, Tony Fauci, notably, they pressed for us to adopt the Chinese model as well. And I think, reluctantly, Donald Trump and governors certainly, blue state governors most especially, acceded to this. And we have watched systematically taken down Many of our institutions, uh, religious institutions, notably, um, our freedoms uh, in many respects, and certainly our economies, uh, as a result of this Chinese model being applied. But to your question, Christine, the most insidious aspect of this of all is that once you have vaccines and then you have mandates that everybody, including five to 11-year-old children who don't get the disease? They're, go, they're going On after
0: two-month-olds. Two two month well, so. and
1: they're, they're getting down to people, yeah, uh, very bo- newborns. But mm-hmm. the point is, once you have vaccine mandates, right? you need a vaccine mandate enforcement mechanism. Mm-hmm. What is that? Well, that's what's been called these vaccine passports. And the vaccine passport platform is essentially indistinguishable from what the chinese call their social credit system a means of both surveilling monitoring and controlling populations they use it for totalitarian ends and that is what will inevitably flow from it if it's allowed to be insinuated here and it is being as we speak
0: and also people don't realize that on on those social credit uh cards in in china You're allocated a certain amount of food. So it's not it's not people shouldn't think of it just as just surveillance or just money or it's it's you have allocations of food in some parts of of China, and if you don't get that food, you may starve. Yeah, well look, it's it's your it's your
1: it's your cell phone.
0: Yes, it's not a card,
1: it's your cell phone that is
0: a biometric constantly,
1: constantly reporting yeah. about you what you're doing, who you're doing it with, what you're transacting, what you're saying and that information is being you know uh, digitally transferred and um, through quantum computing and facial recognition and gate right. recognition and other uh, big data algorithms and technology it's all being applied. To control you, and as you say, you're absolutely right. It can determine whether mm-hmm. you are going to be rewarded or punished in any number of ways: employment, housing, in, healthcare, mm-hmm. food. You know, uh, access to you know education for you or your kids. I mean, all of this can be part of essentially a totalitarian uh, reward and punishment system, and. We find it unimaginable that that could happen here. It's being now installed in Austria. We're talking about Australia. I think it's not, not only
0: that, but they're, Austria but,
1: and elsewhere in Europe and coming to parts of this country as well.
0: That's right. And, and I think the thing that's so shocking is that that uh June 2019 nobody was talking about this now all of a sudden it's a possibility now we see pictures of beds being built for the unvaccinated in Australia which just blows my mind and Austria is now set in down camps. Yeah. in camps yeah and and Austria is is shutting down parts of Germany is shutting down and I'm thinking to myself, it, w- w- where where are the voices here? I mean, am I am I going to howl at the moon? You know, more people need to say, no, this is not what a liberal democracy looks like. Not at all. This is not this is not what people voted for. And and, and a
1: liberal democracy can't withstand this. Is the truth? Well, of. we won't.
0: I mean, yeah. it's said it's simple, we won't. But again, be, let's close out on this. Your thoughts about Taiwan because that's in the news.
1: Yeah, look. What the Chinese are now poised to do, as a result of the kinds of progress that we've made possible in part, is exercise aggression, uh, certainly against Taiwan. That's that's been something they've aspired to do for what way a long time. But also, they've now got a hundred thousand troops on the border with India,
2: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
1: they seem poised to try to go into India and essentially cut off Kashmir which would be a benefit to their uh, Pakistani allies and help with this sort of Afghanistan, Pakistan domination of South Asia that uh, I think the Chinese have aspired to, including getting access to the Indian Ocean. These are the sorts of long-term plays that the Chinese have been preparing for for some time. And I'm afraid, you know, they could go either or both of these directions, uh, east and west, Uh, two front war seems, like something that people would want to avoid, especially given Sun Tzu, the famous Chinese strategist of thousands of years ago, saying it's better to win wars without fighting them. Um, I think their purpose is to see if they can coerce Taiwan, coerce India, coerce the United States, coerce Japan and others into an accommodation of a new Mm -hmm. order under Chinese dominion. And sadly, and maybe this is the last thought on this particular subject tonight, sadly, I think the Chinese are greatly emboldened in all of this. The hard work, the money that's gone into it, the long years of efforts, and so on, by the fact that they have in the president of the United States a man they feel they can control because they own him.
2: So that that's the question... I think into, in a bigger perspective, we're winning this war against the regime. I think they've obviously been been delegitimized. Now, you know, there'll be a massive wave in Congress next year. We've got a year to worry about before we can really put any kind of brakes on what they're doing. I think China's going to get, I think they're moving too fast, but I think that they were going to get aggressive. Neither launch another virus, you know, drop the electrical grid, as you mentioned, something to put the fear porn back
1: on TV. I mean, what do you mm. think? Uh, when you were talking about the regime i wasn't sure whether you were talking about the chinese communist uh, regime uh, or uh, ours. yeah <laughs> <laughs> look um i think both are being delegitimated but not fast enough yeah uh, and the danger is are there are there things that we can do to course correct mm-hmm. in either country and uh, that's not clear i i think you're right i think we're in a window of extreme vulnerability here mm-hmm. uh, for the next year maybe the next three years mm-hmm. uh, in part because the Chinese are feeling as though they've achieved the kind of dominant capabilities that they need to achieve the dominant political and economic position worldwide. And they know and that, frankly, it's unfortunately not just Joe Biden who's in their pocket. Uh, you look at you know, basically the roster of his subordinates and anybody who's got a portfolio touching on China mm-hmm. is similarly compromised. A friend of mine calls it G's dream team. So we've got a work cut out for us. What I've suggested here in terms of things that we can do about it, specifically, you know, getting mad as hell and saying, I'm not going to take it anymore. You're not going to use my money mm-hmm. to right. intensify the threat that you pose to my country. We can, I think, put ourselves on a war footing, which means self-reliance. It means investing patriotically instead of mm-hmm. in our enemies. It means rebuilding our mm-hmm. industrial base, supply chains, our military, at least. And, yeah. and essentially, once again, having the kinds of things that I think Donald Trump was inexorably working towards in terms of an America first mm-hmm. strategy and policy that can uh, implement peace through strength, which both he and my old boss, Ronald Reagan, both embraced. And I think it's the one workable way of dealing with threats like the Chinese Communist Party.
0: He proved it to be true with Russia, didn't he? He certainly did. Yeah. On that note. It Frank started with cutting
1: Gaffney. off their, their cash flow.
0: That's they right. Really That's right. And he did. Well, he did that with another pope, though.
1: He did indeed. Very yeah. different pope. Pope on our side.
0: Very different pope. And and, uh, and I think a gentleman named Mr. Casey.
1: Indeed. Among others.
0: Yes, absolutely. Frank Gaffney, thank you for joining us. Come back. We will continue you. the conversation about Wonderful. the American conversation on China. Thank you for undertaking it.